0: Brought to you by T-shirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: What is good? What is good? What is good? Welcome back to the Coast to Coast podcast here on Inside Carolina and insidecarolina.com. I'm your host, Simply Joey Powell. With me, as always, hashtag as expected, Sherelle McMillan. West Coast representation from Sean Moran. Coast to Coast is coming at you. Full disclosure, we're recording this. Uh, moments after the game in Cameron where your North Carolina Tar Heels eked out a four-point victory against the loathed uh, Duke Blue Devils. It wasn't a pretty game, but it was North Carolina's highest offensive output of the year. We will get to that in just one second before we get rolling. You guys know how this goes. I need you to stop, look around, rate, review, give us the feedback that we need. All right. Your ratings and reviews help the Inside Carolina podcast go to the top of the podcast network's algorithm. And that would be a huge help for us. So give us a rating. Give us a review. We'd love a five star review. If we are not worthy of a five star review, tell me why. And let us fix it and let us provide more. What was it? What was the line from the um, from the old uh, way? It was the Wayne's brother skit. Mo better blues. Or was it was it mo better? We we want we want to give you mo better content. All right, and how's that for a '90s throwback? So yeah, rate us, review us. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. If you're not a premium Inside Carolina subscriber, go ahead and make that change. There's all kinds of deals being hooked up for that. Speaking of deals, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Hit them up for the gear. Uh, I have a little Nike swoosh on my shirt. You might recognize it. Rail has a jump man. All of these things can be procured or these brands can be procured from Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com. They're big fans of Inside Carolina. They're loyal supporters of our content and the work that we do to get you this content. We want you guys to support them as well. Locally owned, locally operated. You can't beat their prices. You can't beat their selection. You can't beat them, period. And with that, let's get into the show. Boys, how you feeling? Sean, how's the left coast? Uh, much, much better after pulling out that. After after pulling out the win, which uh was getting dicey at times. Whew, closer than it needed to be. We'll talk about that in a sec. real how you feeling?
2: I'm inside,
1: Joey. So he's I'm inside. I, I know there's drapery, there's like yeah, indoor there's plantage. Flowers, yeah. It's impressive. I'm feeling good. Uh, boys, before we get off to the uh the, the game of the evening, let's give our folks what they come here for, and that's some recruiting news around the North Carolina basketball program. I'm going to play a little uh, word association, mainly two words. It's going to make a name. Shirell, I want you to give a profile. Sean, tell me what you've seen from him. Isaac Trout, go Rel.
3: So, yeah, he is a 6'9 forward from Grand Island, Nebraska. Uh, so twice. Wait a, minute, and- wait a minute, wait a minute,
1: wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry to step on you, but they play basketball in Nebraska?
3: Yes, so they play basketball in Nebraska. All right. There's evidently a town called Grand Island, which Nebraska <laughs> couldn't be further from any coast. Uh, but that's where Isaac is from. And it's kind of ironic because Hunter Salas also is from Nebraska. So North Carolina has gone basically the entire history of the program without recruiting anyone from Nebraska. And here we are in back to back classes where. Uh, Trout doesn't have an offer from UNC yet, but he's getting heavy interest, and uh, that's coming mostly from UNC assistant Brad Frederick, who he's been in contact with. Uh, kind of a prototypical, I would say, stretch forward. I'll let Sean get more into that, um, but that's what he slots as. Uh, pretty good shooter from, you know, by all accounts. I know Eric Bossy likes him a lot. Uh, he just is one of those kids where he plays in such a, he lives in such an isolated place that he just hasn't or before the last couple of months, he hadn't gotten the national attention that he probably deserved for his play. Um, He also didn't play on any, uh, you know, the big three uh, AAU circuits last year. So I think between uh, finally getting his name out there, between people seeing a lot of film and not having anything else to do the last year when it comes to recruiting off campus, he's starting to get a lot of attention and he's got um, a lot of big offers from, from big time schools.
1: Awesome. And Sean, I know you had a chance to watch at least three quarters of Mr. Trout recently. What can you tell us about him, his style of play, how he would potentially fit into a North Carolina offense, things that you like about him just from a watching perspective?
2: Yeah, I was able to watch his Friday, Friday night game. Um, At first I had to do a double take because as I was watching, uh, you know, there's, there were fans in the stands, there were student sections. Uh, It wasn't, it wasn't packed, but it, Actually reminded me a little bit of you know a year ago in terms of some of the, the games you were watching. Um, so he uh, Trout finished with twenty three points in the game. They they kind of gave up a run, uh, in the fourth quarter and, and lost. But you know overall, as Fro mentioned, six eight six nine. Uh, you know he, he he was playing almost point forward in the game where, he had a pr- uh, he's a right handed player but uh, was pretty strong with his left hand. Uh, so it was often taking the ball up the court. Uh, but when he didn't have the ball in his hands, he was in the post and, you know, he was playing a team that was full of, you know, six foot to six foot three guys. And coming off rewatching the Clemson game, there's a lot of similarities with how they're trying to be physical with him in the post, um, double teaming him almost any time he touched the ball, but a uh, very skilled player, um, you know, comfortable in the post, but a good shooter, um, was knocking down his free throws, hit a three, uh, not the most athletic guy right now, but I think, um, you know, in terms of really how the recruiting world is going to work is you need to land these 30 to 50 type guys that are not going to be potentially one and done or, or G league material. And I think he, he fits that. I know reading uh, the 24 seven site uh, from the UVA one uh, they had, you know, Tony Bennett had compared him to Joey Hauser. Um, I think from a shooting <laughs> perspective that that fits, but he had a lot more kind of off, off the dribble game than Hauser does even right now. Um you know, he, he turned the corner a few times off the pick and roll going right. And once he turned the corner, he was pretty, pretty hard to guard with his size. Uh, and, you know, one other thing, good length. So I, I liked him, you know, didn't, didn't love him, but I think going forward, you're not going to love a lot of the guys because they're not going to just, you know, anybody that you love is probably going to be, you know, so G- one and done or G. Yeah. yeah. So I think he was, he was good. He was solid. He was skilled. Um, And he would. Be an option where he can space the floor, which I know has been a point of contention uh, for for UNC this year. So it'll be interesting to see how how the recruitment plays out. Um, Once again, it wasn't the highest level of competition, so we'll be interesting to see how he continues to progress. But just from a skill point, skill set, I like him.
3: And so the other uh, player, they've already offered a player kind of in that um, we call it hybrid forward spot, kind of that someone who can face up as a four, but also play with their back to the basket a little bit. And that's uh, Deontay Green, who is from Asheville. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think right now, Trout is probably more of a complete player uh, than Green. Uh, but, you know, North Carolina obviously is Asheville is much closer than Grand Island, Nebraska to Chapel Hill. So I'm sure that plays into Carolina's favor. And uh, we don't really quite have any uh, information just yet on whether or not it's a situation where, you know, they're only looking to take one hybrid forward. I I would think that um, considering the players that they could lose over the next year or two, that they would just welcome anyone who, you know, can, can shoot and score, who has good size, regardless of position. So uh, we'll we'll see how that, you know, kind of Plays itself out moving forward.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate you guys giving us the the scoop on one Isaac Trout, uh, especially in this time of this time of weird recruiting. That could be a fishy situation. Boom. See what I did there? Yeah, we're after
3: y'all. You if, if y'all aren't if y'all aren't watching this on YouTube, Joey's feeling good. Everybody, just, hey, look, just to let you know, he's feeling good.
1: It's been a good night. I've got a big <laughs> sports weekend ahead of time. Uh, you got you know you got City v Liverpool tomorrow. Then my Bucks are in the Super Bowl. Oh, and by the way, the Tar Heels just beat Duke, so this is this is a good night. Um, and yes, those of you who are watching on YouTube, you already know that. Uh, also, we've got some guys in North Carolina who are actually back to playing. Of note to Tar Heel fans, uh, sounds like um, DeMarco Dunn is, is starting to heat up from the perimeter. Insert your NBA Jam, you know, audio there. But uh, Sean, sounds like like Mr. Dunn is starting to find his home outside of the three-point line.
2: Yeah, so we you know we went pretty in depth with him with him last week. Uh, he's he's had two games since, both wins for the team. But you know, just looking at his season stats in total, I think they've played eight or eight or nine games, and he's at 40% from the three-point line. And that was even after he had a, you know one game might have been one for nine. I, I can't remember exactly, but he was he was pretty poor in one game and is still at 40%. Um, he's at 70% from the line. You'd like to see that get get up a little bit he had one game where he was 13 of 16 which kind of is the reason he's up there and then some two for four type of performances so you'd like to see that number come up but you know i think he's averaging around 25 uh rebounding the ball, ball very well and once again we know 40 percent in high school doesn't translate to 40 percent at unc but at the same time I, I think it's you know room to be optimistic uh similar to what we talked about last week with how he can help the team
1: next year Absolutely and you know we've, we've mentioned many times on this podcast earlier this year you can't have enough scorers in college basketball and UNC needs all of the guys that can throw it in from deep that they can find. Uh, and, and Cheryl, you also want to add something about um, Mr. Dontres Styles who's returning to form.
3: Yeah, so he uh, w- I think we talked about him a, a little bit either on inside Carolina Live, which you should be listening to uh, WCHL on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Uh, so I think we talked about it a little bit then, but he came back last Friday. He's actually already played four games uh, since coming back from his concussion, and he's acquitted himself well by all accounts. We've talked to uh, his head coach, Perry Tindall at Kinston, and he's just said he's impressed with how much energy he's playing with. Um, And he's just kind of doing what Dontre style does, which is, you know, he scores at a decent rate. He rebounds. He plays good defense. Uh, So, you know, just happy to see him uh, from a Carolina perspective back on the court playing well. And uh, he admitted, he said, we talked to him last weekend and he said after that first game, he had l- a little bit of butterflies, you know, in, in warm-ups. But once he got on the court, everything was fine. So pretty remarkable turnaround from, you know, being taken out, being taken out of the gym, you know, on a stretcher and, and being unconscious for a minute on January 8th to, you know, playing again in games on January 29th and, and now into February. So uh, happy for him. And uh, he's trying to lead Kinston to yet another state championship.
1: Absolutely. And you never want to see a kid get injured. Uh, you always want to see a kid get the most out of their high school career. And it's great that it was not a, a worse injury than it was, because as you alluded to the, when it first happened, it did not look good. Like it, it looked just absolutely horrendous. So we're glad to hear that, that he's healthy. I'm going to take a quick break, uh, hit an ad for Johnny T-shirt, and then the national guys will jump in right behind us. And we'll talk about the game that just finished. Uh, I mentioned Johnny T-shirt earlier, Johnny T-shirt, Johnny T-shirt.com. Supporters of this pod, supporters of Inside Carolina, supporters of the Chapel Hill community. What does that all mean? That means the onus is on y'all viewers and listeners to support them. Hit up johnnytshirt.com. Sheryl, I know, has a regular package coming from johnnytshirt.com. He's pretty much in the catalog before the catalog is, is refreshed. I gets tons of gear there. Sean, I don't know if, if you are as much of a Johnny T-shirt shopper, but you could be because they do ship to California. I want to let our listeners of the you uh, they know. do
2: they do and I've, I've ordered a few things from from them to California, but obviously need to do a little bit
1: more. Folks, if Sean Moran can order from Johnny T-shirt way out on the left coast, you can do it too. Uh, hit them up, Johnny T-shirt Johnnyt-shirt.com. Make sure if you are a premium subscriber to use that extra 10% that you get from being a premium subscriber. Johnny T-shirt's going to take care of you. We appreciate them taking care of us. And now we're going to kick it to the national guys to run some ads to help pay for this content. We'll be right back.
4: Selling a little or a lot? to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
0: knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling meeting new friends or just even to master new skill Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: All right, we're back. We appreciate you sticking around with us, Joey Powell, with Sherelle McMillan. Sean Moran on the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. We're glad you're with us. Uh, Full confession, we mentioned earlier in the show, but if you somehow missed that, we're recording this right after the Duke Carolina game just wrapped. Probably 35 minutes ago, we heard Coach Wynn's post-game comments before we we got on here to to start recording tonight. Guys, uh, for a long time there, I thought that game was going to follow the traditional UNC at Cameron script in which Carolina leads a good portion of the game they are up between six and 12. And then around that eight to four minute timeout mark, they, they start to fade and Duke ends up winning by five or six. It started to feel that way. It didn't. Uh, I know this is not the Duke team of, of, of old. This is also not a North Carolina team of old. But Sean, I'll go to you first. How are they able to hang on to get this win against the Blue Devils?
2: Uh, big shout out to Wendell Moore for the the travel at the end.
1: Uh, <laughs> he, he he owed the Tar Heels one after last year.
2: Yeah, um, you know it, it was a game. Even even at halftime, you felt UNC had controlled controlled the game, uh, but only up. Well, you know what, two points two points at the half, uh, in large part due to that fourteen to two run and mo- really more a scoreless streak that they had in the first half, and then you know second you know they started out the second half playing as as well as can be and and kind of gave that up with um you know their their lineup um after that 12 minute mark and then you're just kind of waiting for duke to take control um and there are definitely opportunities but unc kept getting big baskets you know caleb love had the best game of his his unc career um you know they hit some big free throws at the end armando and even though leaky missed that first one he, he finished up uh knocking them in um so once again, it, it you know, Duke, it's not the typical uh, Duke team this year, but they were still number 29 in Kempom coming into this game. And it was on the road, some talented players. So it was definitely nice to uh, to get that win. And I know last week I was kind of hitting on, you know, I would like to see them go two, two and one out of the next three. It would have been bad kind of going 0-2 into that Miami game. Um, so at least having that shot at two and one, I think is still, um, you know, still a good sign.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think the way that they did not cave down the stretch, as many expected them to, and, and I felt that way at some point during the game too. um Sherelle, our our man Sean mentioned Caleb Love's night. Uh, do you want to do you want to start talking about Caleb? I know, I know Roy hit us with a vintage Royism in the post game where he said, "I don't care if he's got five stars or three moons, yeah, you know, I, I, I still want him to play his best." I, I think we saw what Caleb is capable of tonight. Do you want to talk about that?
3: Yeah, we'll talk about Caleb, but I'm going to take us in a different direction, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, so I just, I'm looking at the bot score and I, I just keep, I've gone to three different sites. First, I went to ESPN and then uh, I went to Yahoo and then I was like, let me check the UNC one before I say this out loud to make sure it's 100% correct. But Dayron Sharp, Leaky Black, and Kerwin Walton, a combined 13 of 13 from the field. I mean, I, that is, De'Ron that is my shot. That's, that's what they have him listed as. I, I, I really thought that he, maybe he got fouled or something, but they have, they have him listed at five for five. They have Walton at four for four and they have Leakey at four for four. Um, so to me, I, you know, that's, Caleb was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, we can, we can talk about him for sure, but I, I just saw that and that jumped out at me. Um, those three guys, um, each one at times maligned in their own ways, I think this season. Uh, coming through. Uh, Walton was huge with those threes. Kind of kept Carolina going. Uh, when the lead we get down to three or four, we push it back up to seven. Uh, Sharp had a, a ton of energy, just uh, finishing uh, some of the missed baskets. He he made a free throw or two, I believe, which you know for <laughs> he him did make one. Yes, that, that's that's great. And then Leakey, um, we've talked about if you if Leaky can give you seven or eight points, you're usually you know, feeling pretty good about your chances in a game. Um, so th- that just jumped at me. So sorry for taking it that way. As far as Caleb, man, I, you saw that was, the, that was the player that, you know, we thought we would see. Maybe not every single game, but that is what kind of what his ceiling or close to his ceiling looks like is when he's going downhill. And, and, Sean, I'll let you talk about why he was able to do that. But when he's going downhill toward the rim and not fading um, and, and not, you know, taking step backs or anything like that, just going straight to the rim, it's he's, he's tough, man. He's strong. He's big. He's got long arms. He's athletic, all those things. And I think Jake Biel has kind of nailed it on the, on the telecast. You know, he got a couple of ones near the basket early and it seemed like everything just opened up. It, you could see a moment, I think, in the game where he was like, "I don't think Jeremy Roach or DJ Stewart <laughs> guard me." No, I mean, I'm it's, seriously Absolutely. like,
1: no, it's, it, I remember seeing that exact point. Yeah, it was I'm like
3: laughing. it was like a light bulb went off, and he just you know started driving to the rim. And once he did that, and he had a couple of shots, then Duke had to honor him, you know, driving and on the perimeter and that opened things up for everybody else. That's why he had seven assists. Now he had five turnovers, two of which in those last couple of minutes were really, really rough. Yeah. Um, but you know, those seven assists, I think show kind of the floor game he's capable of when, you know, the spacing is good when you're going against, against a team like Duke, who plays that kind of pressure defense, you know, it's, it's, it was his type of game. Let's put it that way. And that three man, when it was uh 79, and the way the ball moved, it, what's even to me, and if I'm wrong, correct me, we're, we're going, you know, right after the game. uh, it, You know, the the ball swung from, I think it was Leakey in the corner over to Caleb on the left wing. And I believe Kerwin Walton was the next pass over wide open. So if you're going to pass up Kerwin Walton wide open, you, you better make the shot. And he did. So, you know, credit to him.
1: That's the second time that he's had a big shot like that in a, a you know, in a, the dwindling moments of a game from the exact same spot on the floor left wing. and yep and, and again we've talked about here how his his proclivity to go left and how much better he is on his left side but I think the biggest thing tonight too was when he took those threes they were in rhythm they were confident I, look I know a lot of people may you know may hate me for saying this but I love seeing him talk some trash out there because it means he's getting his confidence and I think that means a lot for this team to feel like you know to, to feel like Caleb Love is, is kind of getting into his space and feeling like He's the player that everyone saw prior to him getting to Chapel Hill. Sean, anything else you want to add about, uh, about Caleb Lowe's performance or do we want to get into some other stats and, and things that jumped out at us about the game?
2: No, I I think we can stay on Caleb for a minute just because, you know, it it has been a a difficult season for him uh, with some ups and downs, but, you know, I mean, I think there's a a few reasons. One, you know, one, just the, the Duke defense, I think, you know, before the game, I haven't bet on a UNC over all year and that, you know, I was pretty confident in in that. And I was also looking for any Caleb love props I could find because, you know, similar to Cole Anthony having around 24 points and getting to the rim last year, which he hadn't really done all season, you know, with Duke, they're going to, they're going to pressure you uh, well above the three point line. For the most part, they're not great defenders. So it it makes it easier to to get by them just off the dribble. Uh, They have no shot blocking presence. And unlike Clemson, when UNC would set a pick, uh, you know, you could actually use that pick and you're either getting isolated on on the big or you get a step on the guard versus having to pass the ball um, when, when Clemson was would trap you or force you to get rid of it. And, you know, for Caleb, a lot of it, you you see the confidence um, when he got that and one dunk at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, once again, he kind of let the, let the scream out. And, you know, I think he realized, Hey, you know, I'm just going against these these guys from AU that I know I can play against. And then, You know, the other was when he took it against Roach. He probably got fouled, but, uh, you know, he he went strong with it instead of settling for a floater or trying to fall back, which which he's done a lot, and he just went strong with it. And I think he he realized and it got him into rhythm. You know, he started playing harder on defense. And when he was not in there in the second half, you you know, at least I was, you know, I wanted him him playing that whole 20. He probably wouldn't have been able to sustain, but, you know, I think he played – very well. Um, once again, I think, and part of it is is due to the Duke style of, of pressing up on you, so it does make it easier for the for the guards to penetrate and get some space. Uh, but hopefully, that can give them give them confidence. But once again, a completely different style of play than Clemson. Um, yeah. I think it came at a much needed time in terms of bounce back.
1: Yeah, and he definitely did tonight. The things he did well were things that are in his wheelhouse. Um, you know, they were. They were taking the ball to the basket. I mean, he had, a couple of, uh, he had a couple of really just good attacks where he was finding perfect angles with which to attack the basket. And I hope he can carry that for the rest of the season because I think it means great things. Again, not just for him, but for the rest of the team. Uh, Sherelle mentioned the, the shooting percentages of Sharp and Leaky Black and, uh, and Kerwin Walton earlier. I also want to kind of take a different take on those stats. Uh, you had six players in double figures, which, is, which was big. Uh, And and when you score 90 plus points, that's going to happen. The team hit 10 threes, which is just a giant middle finger to Sean's uh, six (laughs) threes a game, Uh, you know, parable from earlier in the year. Uh, They did end up winning the rebound, uh, the rebound game after being down by two at the half. I think the big thing, though, was that they got points out of their starting backcourt. Uh, They got, you know, eight for nine from beyond the arc from Walton. And from Caleb Love. And I, and I just, we've talked about it ad nauseum here as to how much that will help the spacing and will help the big guys work. And I think you saw that a little bit in the second half. Once Duke realized that it wasn't just Kerwin Walton that they had to jump out on, it just made things so much better, at least space from a spacing perspective for the bigs. Sherelle, am I wrong on that? Or is that something they could probably build off of? Or kind of Deshaun's point, is that more of a byproduct of just how Duke likes to play defense?
3: I think it's a partly it. Both again, I always say both. Little column
1: A, little <laughs> column B.
3: Right, little, little column A, little column B. Uh, because you know Duke just wasn't. We said it entering the game. Duke just wasn't equipped to handle his UNC bigs, and really, the only chance they had was to you know disrupt the backcourt so they can't get the ball to the bigs and create turnovers. But once Caleb started turning the corner, and and any of the guards really started turning the corner, you know there's not much Duke could do because of the size discrepancy. Like you know, I, I think there were a couple of lobs that UNC missed, but you know, getting the ball on the rim. uh, The bigs pass well as, uh, you know, between each other as well. So once the guards kind of got past that initial line of defense, there wasn't a ton that Duke was going to be able to do to stop UNC. You know, they, they started Mark Williams um, and he's going to be a a good player for them, I think defensively, but just size wise, he just wasn't ready for Baycott for Brooks and for Sharp. Um, So I I think um, it's something they can build on. I think Caleb now sees like, okay, you know, get to the rim and, and good things happen. Uh, but it's going to be easier said than done when you play a team that has a, a much different defensive philosophy, um, which the book on Carolina still, even after this great performance and great shooting and 10 threes is going to be packed <laughs> to paint and make them beat you from three. And they've proven this year that sometimes they can't do that. But tonight, you know, they shot well and they, were, they looked like a confident team and that's why they got the win.
1: Sean, 1.2 points per possession from Ken Palm. That's got to be a record for the season, right?
2: Yeah, that, that that is their highest, especially after coming off Clemson. I think it was zero point uh, seven nine, which was their their lowest. Um, God, you I, know, I, just looking. I at knew it
1: was bad. It, I didn't know it was that bad until you just mentioned. Yeah, it I, was, Now I need to go vomit.
2: <laughs> but I mean, they had uh, they had six guys over a hundred offensive rating. Uh, Caleb had his first MVP in terms of what you know Ken Palm designates. So, yeah, I mean that that is that is a thing of a thing of beauty. Once again, you know, I I think part of it is that Duke defense versus, you know, a Clemson UVA Um, and and just going to Clemson for a minute. I mean, Clemson tried to be very physical, which, which worked out um, versus Duke. That is more of a finesse team, but in, in terms of what Sherelle was mentioning, you know, Kerwin Walton, once again, no, no Cameron crazies or anything, but he stepped in just right off the bat, making threes and, you know, continue that in the second half. Leaky was, was hitting his pull-ups and, and Dayron who, you know, I kind of get, getting a little, little mad about when, you know, it seems like he's always moving a little too fast um, for his body at times, but when they had that lineup in there after the 12 minute mark that was giving me um, heartache, you know, he had several, you know, several huge tip-ins to kind of keep that lead uh, at least, at least kind of continuing the lead instead of letting it all delinquish, um, you know, during that relinquish during that time. So, uh, you know, once again, a very complete effort and uh, Garrison Brooks, you know, I thought he played very well from the, from the opening. Um, I think, you know, from a passing perspective, he's probably the best big pastor um, once he catches it in the post in terms of finding, finding guards. Um, and I thought he made, you know, especially in the first half when he was dribbling down the court, and could have tried to take it and throw up something awful on the break. And instead, you know, he, he made a great decision. So, um, you know, overall there's a lot of, uh, a lot of positives.
3: Yeah. And I I just two things that, that, you know, again, just perusing the box score that catch my eye: 50 points against Clemson, 50 (laughs) points in the second half half (laughs) in a half against Duke. So that was one. And then, Kermit Walton's offensive rating, <laughs> 197. Which, I mean, he didn't qualify for MVP because he did, wasn't involved in enough possessions, but that is That's,
1: that's stupid.
3: Yeah. That's just, a, that's a dumb yeah. number.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I, again, I think there's something to be said for the kid figuring out where his lane is, right?
3: Oh, for sure. And, you know, I not to get too forward thinking or anything, but if he stays like in school for three or four years, Marcus Page's record of 299 threes, uh, career threes at Carolina is gone. I mean, it is its going to vanish because this dude, I mean, he's got the size too, which I think sometimes hurt, you know, shooters like Marcus Page. Um, and he just, it, it just looks so effortless and he's so calm and it's, there's no wasted motion. It's like, it's like, he doesn't move. He just jumps and the yeah. ball goes in. Uh, so, I mean, he's been, I mean, can you imagine this team if, if North Carolina wasn't able to sign him? Uh, Back in April. And then there was that whole weekend. We were wondering if he was going to go to Minnesota, (laughs) if he was going to come to Carolina and the announcement was this day and then it got pushed back and it just goes to show that those, you know, spring signees sometimes are a godsend. I mean, for North Carolina, he has completely changed the trajectory of the team because he gave them the one thing that they didn't have, which was competent, consistent outside shooting.
1: Well, he takes the pressure off of the other guys that play that position too. the beauty in Walton. And I love your forward thinking here. Uh, You know, we will totally allow that on the Coast to Coast podcast. But (laughs) think about how good he's going to be when he can earn more playing time. Right. Like when he when he gets to a point where the coaches trust him to be out there 30 minutes a game, Uh, you know, then all of a sudden, how does his offensive uh, production go up then? I don't know, Sean, anything you want to throw in about uh, about uh, Kerwin Walton?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, my philosophy was between him and Puff, you know, hopefully one will emerge. Um, definitely didn't see it to this extent. You know, also I thought, you know, Kerwin's live, you know, kind of lack of quickness on D would hinder hinder him. But here you are watching, watching this game and, you know, Duke has all the five-star, four-star freshmen, UNC has a lot. And here it is, Kerwin Walton, you know, obviously Love played well, but Kerwin Walton is, is the guy that's hitting the shots. And, you know, you have DJ Stewart who played well, but once again you're talking about a ranking difference of 70, 80 between the two, and, you know, to get that type of production out of, out of Kerwin is, has been uh, huge just the whole,
1: the whole season. And shockingly, yeah. I think it was what I saw during this game too Kerwin's, uh, I, I guess his lapses on defense were due to bad rotation. They weren't bad on the ball defense. I felt like, for the most part, he was in decent position and was moving his feet well against Duke's perimeter players. Shrell.
3: I, I was going to switch a little bit again. I'm I'm herky jockey here, but Captain I wanted Co- to go Captain back
1: contrarian tonight, aren't you?
3: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to go back to Caleb a little bit because I think after the Kentucky game, we talked about how sometimes seeing things that are familiar can help you mm. and to that point Kentucky probably was his best game you know to that point and you know he was going against guys like Devin Askew that he saw in AAU at CP3 camp that he's saw at USA and that was the same thing tonight I mean him and DJ Stewart played I think high school basketball against each other at our high schools each of the last I think two years and then of course all those guys Roach, Stewart, Hurt played against each other on AAU so just seeing familiar faces and knowing oh I put 25 on that guy two years ago, or, Oh, you know, my team, you know, we beat them in this, this shootout uh, in, in Arkansas last January, whatever it may be. Uh, I think that that helps him, you know, that familiarity and knowing that you've had success against the, you know, that team or, or that player. Um, so I, I think that was part of the confidence too. Is just, you know, it was like, Oh, I've, I've seen these guys before. It's, this is nothing new. It's Carolina Duke. Sure. But it's just going up against DJ and Jeremy.
1: It is a bit of a safety blanket. I could see where that would be a, a security blanket, not a safety blanket. Maybe a safety blanket's good too. Um, but I could see where that would be a positive for a freshman looking for anything. All right, guys, anything else we want to talk about on the Duke game before we move on to Miami? Because that's coming up in just uh, less than 48 hours from now.
3: Well, did the Clemson game not happen since we haven't no. talked about it? We just were okay. Okay. It didn't happen. I okay. mentioned it enough.
1: Okay. All right. We, you know, Tommy and, and uh, Brooker did a post game. We mentioned it today on Inside Carolina Live. I don't know how much trash we need to talk about. <laughs> that game was absolute, you know, just uh, dumpster fire uh, wrapped in a disgusting wet diaper. So what game? Uh, moving on to Miami, Monday night. Uh, do we feel like, yeah, having seen Miami once, are we hoping that the Tar Heels, or do we feel comfortable that the Tar Heels can, can do enough to, to get ahead and win that game? Or should we still be worried? Because Miami had a great game against Duke last week. And they took Virginia Tech to, to the wire today in overtime and lost on a really really tough shot. Uh, Sean, I'll go to you first.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you still definitely have to be have to be worried. You know, it was a pretty lucky win uh, on the road against Miami the first time around. You know, Miami they did have the Duke win, just had a, a brutal loss to Virginia Tech that really should have been another win. Um, so we could have been talking to them. You know, Miami coming in on a streak. Um, I think they'll, they have Cam Augusty back who didn't play the first time. Uh, Wong has been, been playing great. Uh, and once again, you know, for, for the UNC Duke game, a turnover is not as, uh, you know, it, it's less, there's less importance in the UNC Duke game just with the possessions and Duke being a little loose with the ball as well, compared to, Uh, really Miami where it's going to be slow Uh, definitely Virginia next Saturday where they don't turn the ball over and they, you know, use all, you know, there's the slowest tempo team in the country. So once again, hopefully they can focus because the Duke win was still a big one um, and kind of try to continue that on uh, because my, you know, Jim Laranega and Miami could easily beat them despite you know, being one of the worst teams in the ACC, but they do have a few players and UNC is going to have to have to focus and, and kind of
1: get the ball into the bigs and, and focus on the turnovers. This Miami team is, is, is quite curious. Uh, I do think they have some talent, but they have been running with like a lot of other rosters in the ACC. They've been running with a, a bit of a, a whittled down roster. I know they dismissed one player since the last time the Tar Heels played them. Uh, Sherelle, why should should UNC still be worried about Miami is is it just because of Isaiah Wong, uh, you know Sean mentioned him is is there something here that that UNC may be able to, to fall back on maybe that they took out of the, the first game.
3: Uh, so Matt Cross was the player who was dismissed from Miami, and I yeah, think he started you. and he played almost thirty minutes.
1: He had a couple of threes um, against Carolina the first yeah, game too. Yeah, yeah.
3: So that, I mean, that's not insignificant. Um, but I think you know when you look at start looking at what happened in that first game, obviously that was kind of a kind of a fluky win for you and Let's put it that way.
1: Whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> You're not going to sit here and tell our <laughs> listeners in the good universe of InsideCarolina.com that an Andrew Playtech baseline runner with two seconds left on the clock was fluky. I will not stand for that, sir, but please carry on.
3: Fair enough. And so then, you know, they had 20 turnovers, which was awful. And I mean, it was, that first half was some of the worst basketball alongside that first half uh, against Clemson that they played all season. And then you had Love, you know, was one for nine. It was a big three that he hit, but it was one for nine. Um, so you know, Miami does things to, to UNC I, 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 schematically. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it always seems like it's a slog when UNC plays Miami, and you know, Carolina fans just they need to be careful because it wasn't just three days ago that everybody was talking about the end of the Royal Williams era and this team was terrible because they put up 50 points against Clemson
1: everybody yeah yeah
3: and you know a a win against Duke is great but it was only a four-point win so it's not like they blew them out of the water or anything and just same thing we've said this entire season UNC's margin for error is basically (laughs) 0.0001 and you know if if they come out and they have, you know, sloppy turnovers, or they don't shoot well, or they continue to to be abysmal from the free throw line. They could easily lose to Miami. It's not a stretch at all. This this ACC season there are a couple of good teams and then there are a bunch of other guys and anyone can win basically three through whatever. Yep. Um, so I, I would say it, it, the, the Miami game takes on a different significance because they beat Duke because just like they've grabbed back the goodwill that they lost after the Clemson loss, they can erase everything. If Don't they, lose at home to Miami. Yeah. If you lose at home to Miami. So you have to validate the Duke win by going out and beat Miami and getting to Sean's two and one. This
1: yeah, we, we, mentioned that, uh, we mentioned that on a radio show today with Tommy Ashley, too, that this margin for error is the equivalent of a butt hair off of a, of a rat, right? Like, it's just that, it's that slim. And, and this team proved that tonight against Duke. And I think, to your point, you, you just got to want every little thing. You've got to uh, impose your will like we didn't see in the game that shall not be mentioned last Tuesday. boys anything else you want to throw out about Miami before we put a bow on this one and, and head out for the evening? John, you got two
2: points. Um for yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I think I will go back to the Clemson game uh, just for a second, just because one, I think it'll help them prepare for, for UVA on Saturday. So we'll be the next pod will be after that game. Um I think that's predicted in terms of probably the largest spread UNC will be a underdog in going forward. Um, uh, but you know, once again with Clemson. They, they got a few offensive rebounds and they really just killed the clock. So it was a very limited possession, possession game. They played physical and with UNC, they're going to, you know, against UVA in terms of watching the turnovers. Um, but I, I think, you know, they, they could surprise some people we'll see. Um, but for the Clemson game, there's a few possessions when they're making that run in the second half where they were playing really four out um, and and one in, which they did a few times during Duke and, you I did enjoy watching that even with kind of the two bigs playing, I thought they were able to execute uh, the four out pretty, pretty well. And it did open up some space. So hopefully you can, can kind of see that a little bit more going forward, especially when they do have those size mismatches. Um, but once again, it was a big win for Duke or against Duke and will be a very interesting week uh, going forward with, you know, the Miami game where it's going to be their biggest, they're going to, You know, the margin is their biggest favorite in terms of what they'll be, probably eight, nine point spread. And then uh, later in the week, the biggest underdog. So got to keep got to keep winning.
1: And talking about Virginia, you know, we won't be able to we won't do a show before that Virginia game. Virginia has shown in their last two games that they're quite okay going eight and nine minutes without scoring offense. Um, It's just it, it goes back to my adage of nobody's any good. Sherelle, anything else you want to say about Miami before we, uh, before we put this in the bed?
3: Not particularly. Just validate the win, but uh, two of three at Cameron and three of six for UNC. So uh, all is not lost.
1: All is not lost. And even in some bad basketball, that stat should make a lot of Tar Heel fans feel really good. And hopefully we'll, as you, you like to use the, the framing of goodwill, hopefully that'll get them some goodwill as they continue to to trek on down the road. Because the schedule is getting harder. Uh, That Virginia game is going to be tough, winnable, but tough. Uh, Just hope they can continue to build on this momentum. Boys, as always, I appreciate you being here. Appreciate you joining us after the game. Appreciate you bringing the perspective and knowledge and hashtag analysis that you always bring. I know our listeners and our viewers appreciate it, and the InsideCarolina.com universe of subscribers appreciates it. Thank you, boys. I'm Joey Powell for Sherelle McMillan, for Sean Moran, for John Siegley, who produces the show, we want to thank him. Big shout out to our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. This has been the Coast to Coast podcast. We will catch you next time here on InsideCarolina.com. Late.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.